You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. I'm not 
Good morning, everyone. It's Sunday, April 14th, 2013, fourth day in the month of ER, 5773. I'm Matis Weingast, and welcome to JM Sunday. Hope you're all doing well and had a great Shabbos and a great week. Thanks for joining me this morning. We are in our uh, Safira format here on the uh, Nachum Siegel Network stream, continuing from uh, JM in the AM last week and today on JM Sunday Great Sphera format music. My guests later this morning are scheduled to be Marcella Rosen, author of the book Tiny Dynamo, and Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the book More Than a Tear. Both will be joining me in the second hour of this show, along with News from Israel. In the first hour, Rabbi Goldwasser at 7.30 with Morning Chizuk. It's the 19th day of the Omer, if you forgot to count last night, please do so sometime today. Erevin Dafyomi is on Daf 37, and uh, we are here with you till 9 o'clock in the morning. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and uh, we are here for the next two hours on JM in the AM on the Nachum Siegel Network, jmintheam.org, nachumsiegel.com.
Thanks to A.K. Pella for uh, entertaining us this morning here on J.M. Sunday. Matt, the swine guest with you on uh, Sunday. Of course, that's why it's called J.M. Sunday. April 14th, fourth day in the month of E.R. It is the 19th day in the counting of the Omer. We are in our uh, sphere of format. We heard from Ellie Gerstner with Hasidah uh, Acapella, Mendy Werdiger, Yeshiva Boys Choir, and uh, a.k.a. Pella. It is uh, 7.27 in the morning. It's a bit cool in the uh, area we're in, in the New Jersey area. It's about 51 degrees outside. It'll be getting a little bit warmer later on, but at least it's uh, clear outside right now. In uh, in a lot of things in the news, we're going to be talking about my uh, uh, our finally finishing our Pesach cleaning at 7.45 today, so tune into that. It has to do with something in the news that uh, that I want to uh, mention. <laughs> My guest this morning, later on, will be Marcella Rosen. She wrote a book called The Tiny Dynamo. She was on with Nachum the other day, and we're going to be following up with her and uh, asking her some more questions. And Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the book, More Than a Tear, or More Than a Tear, depends on how you want to pronounce it. They both are appropriate for this book. I want to remind you that we are here on the stream until 9 o'clock this morning. 
here on a uh, JM Sunday. Nachum will be back tomorrow morning with a full week of JM in the AM starting at 6 AM. JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. It is more than a camera store. It's the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. They're located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. Their number is 1-800-223-2500. For cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPads, 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 iPods, and more. Adorama, imaging and beyond. Since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up today, at 9 o'clock, beginning at 9 o'clock, is the Yeshiva University's uh, 20th Yardside commemoration of uh, the art uh, of uh, Yosef Dov Salavechik. 20 years uh, since he passed away. It is sold out, but it will be uh, the program will be available online. You can uh, go to uh, the YU website and uh see the goings-on online for many of the sessions today. And uh, that should be quite a uh, quite an event. It is 7.30 in the morning, and at this time each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words are, L'zecha nishmas Rav Zev, Rav Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Gizuk. Good morning. In the response, a a most interesting question of halacha is discussed. The question was sent on behalf of chayalim, soldiers, concerning the appropriateness of reciting berches hagoymel, the blessing of thanks upon the return from duty. The gist of the response was not only may it be appropriate to say the bracha upon the soldier's safe return, but there is the possibility that perhaps Berchas HaGaymel would be in order every day. We understand that every chayal in the army exhibits self-sacrifice for Klal Yisrael. Surrounded by our enemies who wish to devour us, the chayalim stand proud to fight against all odds. It is particularly significant during this sphere of period that we remember those who have perished al Kiddush Hashem. Although the memorial prayer of Harachamim is recited on Shabbos, it's omitted on Shabbos Mavarchim, the Shabbos when we bless the new month. However, interestingly enough, there is a halacha that during Sphira, we do say the memorial prayer even on Shabbos Mavarchim. Avarachamim is a tefillah that speaks of Kedoshim, those who gave their life al Kiddush Hashem to sanctify God's name. We remember the upright and the holy people who were beloved in their lifetime and remain strong to do the will of Hashem. We also ask that Hashem should exact retribution for the blood of His servants that was spilled. As it says in Yoel, Though I will cleanse the nations of many of their sins, I will not exonerate the bloodshed that they committed against B'nai Yisrael. The question presents itself, why Hashem, who is a Kelmole Rachum Vachanun, a merciful and gracious Hashem, has forgiven so much over the ages, why can't He forgive this too? The answer is that atonement and forgiveness is only attained when there is a possible replacement available, where an even exchange can be made. But the loss of the Neshama, 
of one single gibor who was willing to be Mekadei Shem Shemayim to create that Kiddush Hashem creates a void that simply cannot be filled. A neshama is irreplaceable, especially those neshamas which became elevated on the altar of Kiddush Hashem, self-sacrifice to sanctify Hashem's name. Today, we would also like to offer tefillah to Hashem on their behalf and on behalf of all those who were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions to do the will of Hashem. May their memory be a blessing for all of Israel.
Yeah. 
Kol Zimra with Vakol Zman and Haben Yakir here on JM Sunday. Matas Weingast with you. It is uh, 7.44 in the morning. Fourth day, 14th day in the month of April. Fourth day in the month of ER 5773. 19th day in the counting of the Omer. If you did not count last night, please do so sometime today. 37th daf in uh, Ervin in Dafyomi cycle. Before uh, Kol Zimra, we heard from Ari Goldwag with the Curry Bone from the album Acapella Soul here on JM Sunday. I want to remind you that the JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. More than a camera store, the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. 42 West 18th Street, New York City, 1-800-223-2500. For cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPods, iPads, and more, Adorama. Imaging and Beyond since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. So it's 7.45 in the morning, and as I uh, posted on uh, Facebook, I wanted to tell you about the arrest of our Pesach, post-Pesach cleanup that we just finished. Uh, by the way, if you're on Facebook, please go to our page, JM Sunday. Like the page. Like us on Facebook. And uh, let's get those numbers moving up. So what do we hear? We hear that, uh, as I'm sure... Many of you know and, and read or heard about a, uh, a product that a lot of people have had over the years, Cogel, made by uh, VIP Foods in Ridgewood, Queens. Well, apparently uh, VIP Foods, uh, I don't know what it stands for, but it certainly doesn't stand for the usual meaning of VIP, because apparently it was uh, raided and uh, the federal government seized over a million dollars worth of food. Why? Because their Queens warehouse was infested with rats. And uh, this is not something new. Apparently it's been going on for a while. The firm was uh, cited, I think, uh, in October. And apparently did nothing to clean up. And this also it's like disgusting. But it wasn't just a little bit. Apparently they found numerous nests. To quote, um, to quote uh, somebody from the uh, one of the officials from the government said that the droppings were too numerous to count. I don't want to focus on those items, on those, on those details uh, during breakfast time here, or lunch time, wherever you are. But suffice to say that uh, that it was disgusting. So what did we do? We uh, took all our co gel that we had and uh, we got rid of it. Absolutely got rid of it. What I suggest to everybody that has Cogel, I don't care when you bought it, take it, bring it back to your store, and insist on a refund so that uh, eventually, hopefully, the company will get the message to give refunds to the uh, whatever they do to the stores that supply them. Bring them back and uh, ask for a refund uh, and uh, don't even don't even use them. Who knows how long this has been going on. Who knows what's in there? Now, of course, it's uh, it's very uh, you know, interesting, and I don't know the answer to the question since this just came out within the last day or so. But there are certainly government inspectors which uh, which go around, um, and yes, they were cited in the past. But you'd think that maybe with something so major, uh, there would be 
additional uh, inspections, not waiting six months. Who knows, you know, all the details. We really don't know all the details, but apparently this was this was going on for a while and uh, certainly got to the point where it was not simply that the uh, the place was shut down or given high fines that the government actually seized the food. Uh, and this was in apparently their warehouse. And I did not say that it was in their production facility. Don't know where the production facility is. But uh, I guess if you have any questions, you can call VIP Foods. They're in Ridgewood, Queens. You can look them up and call them. I did. And, uh, of course, today is Sunday. There's no, there's no answer there. They're open on Monday. Uh, but these type of things are just, uh, I know they go on, but uh, this is egregious. So supposedly, this is what happened, and um, I, don't, I don't know. It is a, it's a kosher ingredient. I don't know that uh, a, uh, a mashkiach should uh, have a responsibility for seeing this. I don't know if a mashkiach goes into a warehouse. I did say in the uh, news reports that um, there were other foodstuffs in the uh, warehouse. So I don't know if those were the uh, ingredients to make the the Kojo product or not, but uh, but don't know who was watching the store there. So again, just take your Kojo products and uh, return them to the store and tell them you want a refund and that this should not continue. It's really, really not appetizing. What is appetizing is our show. And JM Sunday is here to, to bring you news and information about a lot of different things, uh, just had to talk about that because it just happened, and it's uh, it's just something that everybody should be aware of and uh, take steps to to stay safe and healthy. In the second hour this morning, uh, actually, yeah, we have a packed second hour. Eight o'clock, uh, our news from Israel with Hannah Levy Julian is anticipated. At eight fifteen, Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the book More Than a Tear, is a book about Shiva. We'll be speaking with him, and at 8.30, we'll be speaking with the author of the book Tiny Dynamo. Her name is Marcella Rosen, and she founded an organization called uh, Untold News. It's a uh, website, untoldnews.org. talks about uh, those things about Israel and the discoveries and inventions that have been um, made in Israel that people might not know about. Speaking of which, there was something else in the news that I wanted to mention. And, uh, of course, what I did is uh, I erased the... <laughs> I, I deleted that um, that, er- that that item. And I did want to find... Here we go. Apparently, in the Sea of Galilee in Israel... A major stone structure was discovered beneath the waters. Uh, this was first uh, discovered back in 2003 uh, from, uh, from from satellite imaging, but uh, then uh, more recently it was uh, it was uh, it was investigated, and uh, the archaeologists are not really sure what. Uh, what this structure is, other than they know that it's made of um, 
of uh, boulders and cobbles of uh, basalt, and it is about 32 feet high and a diameter of about 230 feet. Now, according to the uh, archaeologists, these areas in, in the past are known to be uh, possible burial sites. Uh, the estimate is that this uh, this mound of uh, of rocks could be as old as uh, four thousand years, and uh, it's certainly a a bit of a mystery to find out uh, to know what that is. I'm sure scientists will be investigating it in the near future. We'll hear more about that. It is very interesting, as always, to. Uh, find out the, the latest in the archaeological discoveries in Israel. Very exciting because there are so many different uh, things that are found all the time. Uh, many that we're excited about, of course, tie uh, directly tie the uh, uh, the the fact that we as Jews have been in the land of Israel for thousands of years, and the archaeological evidence proves that over and over again. Uh, we have the Torah that tells us. Uh, and uh, every every once in a while, uh, and and quite often lately, we find things that uh, that indicate this in uh, in stone and whatever it is in, in terms of uh, the items that are found. So archaeology is very very exciting, and in Israel, uh, they're always finding things that are, are, are amazing, and uh, we will try to bring more of those to your attention as the weeks go on. It is uh, 7:54 in the morning. Eastern Time here on JM Sunday. A little bit of music before we get to uh, our news from Israel. Here is uh, Tzvi Silberstein on JM Sunday. Oh, 
Moda'ani by Bit Achon, Jewish a cappella here on JM Sunday, coming up uh, in a few seconds, our news from Israel. It's 8 o'clock, 8.01 actually, Eastern Time here in uh, the United States, New Jersey area, and around the world. It's whatever time it is over there in Israel. It's about 3 o'clock, 3.01. So uh, we are going to be heading over to Israel in just a few seconds. A reminder that at 8.15 we'll be joined by Rabbi Yigal Siegel talking about his new book, More Than a Tear, and at 8.30, talking to author Marcella Rosen about her new book, Tiny Dynamo, all coming up in the next hour. Right now, we are joined by Hannah Levy-Julian, senior correspondent and an editor for the Israel National News English Division. She is a news broadcaster in Israel, and she is with us every week to provide us with the news of the week from Israel. Good morning, Hannah. How are you? Morning, and how are you? Great, great. Thank you so much for joining us. So it is uh, Erev Yom Hazikaron in Israel. In a few hours where you are, uh, the uh, siren will uh, wail, as it were, and uh, start the uh, the commemoration of the uh, Yom Hazikaron Day, which is, uh, to, uh, is the memorial day for the fallen soldiers in Israel, um, numbering, I believe, at this uh Point uh, over twenty five thousand. That's right. What uh, is the day? What is the day like when uh, when it is Yom Hazikaron? Uh, it depends on who you are, but I will tell you that every single person in this country, uh, even even newcomers, feel um, feel Yom Hazikaron. There's no one in this country who has not either known someone or known of someone who has uh, who has not fallen or who has not lost someone who has who has uh, who has been in a war. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's 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 a small it's a small country. It's a small country, and it and and it doesn't become any more obvious. Than it does on Yom Hazikaron. This is really small town when it comes to a holiday like this one. It really, it, this is when you really feel it. We we have a a, a story on on our website uh, today about teenagers in Sfat who took on a project, adopt the unknown soldier. You know, in in Washington. There's the unknown soldier, the tomb of the unknown soldier, where the Marines uh, day and night guard that tomb. But in in Sfat, there are so many of them, you know. They're, they're throughout the country. Um, high school students went out and went to a cemetery filled with unknown soldiers hmm. whose families just are no longer around because they've just, you know, they've died out or whatever. And uh, these are, are guys who fell, and women, who fell in the uh, in the War of Independence in 1948, and they were cleaning the uh, grave sites and trimming the grass and, and just taking care of the tombstones and whatever. They were doing that today and, uh, and last week and sprucing things up, and they just each one adopted... A grave, and they will take care of that from now on in. Right. Wow. Now, yeah. from the uh, the sadness and the recollection of uh, Yom Hazikaron, 
you go immediately into the joy and euphoria of uh, the 65th birthday of the modern state of Israel on Yom Hatzmaut. Right. No retirement there. (laughs) (laughs) No retirement there. None. And the the grocery shelves are stripped. (laughs) Stripped there. So funny. They were packed, packed to the gills. They're not stupid in this country. They understand that Jews eat. So last, <laughs> so last week they packed them. But they are stripped. Anything that had to do with barbecue is stripped. Right. Completely stripped. Forget now, it. Mangal, mangal. Now I, I, mangal is the Hebrew word for barbecue. Right. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea. We'll have to ask Mayor Weingarten. Maybe, maybe that will be an item for his... Uh, Israel uh, segment is Mayor Milim. Mangal, you said, is the word? Mangal. Mangal. I'm sure that... Uh, now, I know that that we as Jews invented the barbecue because, of course, in the Torah, in the Torah it talks about all the korbanos, some of which right. were eaten, some of which weren't eaten. So basically, you know, invented the barbecue there. Uh, but but modern in modern times, the barbecue uh, has always, has the barbecue always been an Israeli thing or is it kind of something else that made, made Aliyah to Israel? No, 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 no. It has all... Come on, Shishlik. Uh-huh. Come right. On. Come on. Yeah, but... Bob. <laughs> right, that's, Kabob. right, of Kabob. course. But, okay, okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. All those things, but, but the, when, I guess, I being American... Eggs. Right, but being American, um, when I think of a barbecue, I'm thinking of somebody putting out a grill and, you know, some hamburgers and hot dogs and chicken or whatever. As, and, and, as that type of thing, is that what a barbecue is in Israel? Anything that looks like you could put it in a fire is fair game in this country. <laughs> Any, not that anything is fair game here. Anything. Trust me. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, that is... So everybody's looking forward. Everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, the... Um, is there any other news of this week, or that's pretty much it? <laughs> uh, no, there, there actually is. There, there, there actually is some news. There's a, a, little, a little bit, not, not, not a lot, actually, because okay. everybody's got their minds on the mangal. Right. But, uh, <laughs> there is, uh, there is some news. People actually uh, are paying attention to a few things. First of all, uh, let me just tell you that in the Palestinian Authority. Uh, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister now, uh, Salem Fayyad is out. He quit. Right. And, uh. It was last night. He, I mean, we heard this last night. Uh, right. Apparently it just yeah, happened. Right. He's, uh, he's had it. He, he said, thank you, but no thank you. Enough is enough. And he was the, the sole voice of, uh, moderation, uh, I mean, within reason, obviously. Um, and uh, the sole anti-corruption guy in Ramallah, and he walked. He mm-hmm. said, enough is enough. He's had it with the craziness. Goodbye and thank you and have a nice day. So he's taken a walk. People in the United States and in Canada are, to say the least, not happy with this situation. They spent all of Friday and most of uh, Shabbat trying to convince him not to do this and trying to convince Mahmoud Abbas to convince him not to do this. Abbas was not at all interested, frankly, hmm. in trying to convince him. I think he was probably celebrating quietly in, in some corner. But right. uh, 
this is on, this is finished. So that's, that's first of all. I don't know what's going to be because before he left, uh, the finance minister left. <laughs> so what's going to be with finances and what's going to be with foreign aid, I don't know. But I do know that Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and a few other terrorist organizations are quite active in the uh, Palestinian Authority. And uh, there is an interplay of funding to um, prisoners that are in Israeli jails, and some of that funding comes from the Palestinian Authority. They give them monthly stipends. Right. So that's one issue that's going to be coming under rather close scrutiny, I think, especially if Fayyad is not in the government, because I'm sure he was keeping a close watch on that. That's, uh, first of all, that, that's what's going on. Um, another thing that's going on, of course, is uh, the situation in the finance ministry, our own finance ministry, with Yair Lapid, who is trying to enact uh, various kinds of reforms, and uh, people are getting upset with that. For example, he wants to put in a sales tax in a lot. A lot has never had a sales tax. Hmm. Uh, he wants to raise the current sales tax, which is 17%. He wants to raise it to 18%. Wow. And he wants to go from 0 to 18 in a lot. Oh, wow. Needless to say, the people in a, in a lot are having 10,000 conniption fits. Mm -hmm. And they are protesting by shutting all the entrances to the city on Wednesday. <laughs> and Wednesday, they are going to hold their city council meeting at one of those entrances. That would right. be a very interesting thing. Um, going from 0 to 18% sales tax in a city like a lot is tantamount to complete suicide for a tourist resort center like a lot. They said they simply won't be able to compete with other Middle Eastern resorts. That's entirely possible, but more to the point, they won't be able to compete even in Israel because of the distance involved. True. Who's going True. to bother to travel all the way to Elat if, if the prices are going to be as high as they are, and now they're going to go higher? Exactly. Yeah, so it's really a problem. He's not being very practical. I don't know where this is going to go. Well, we'll see what happens with that, and you'll keep us posted. Uh, we are uh, we're running out of time this morning. We have some guests coming up in the next few minutes. I wanted to mention to our listening audience that you are going to be in the States uh, sometime uh, next week, the uh, the week of the 28th. And, excuse me, the week of the 21st. You're going to be in, um, in the United 28th. States. Uh, 28th. Not the 21st, 28th. Well, you're gonna. Oh, you're not. You're not heading here after next Sunday. I, it's in two weeks. I will be. I will be coming in at the end of that first week. Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll talk and more about it. Right, we'll talk more about it next Sunday, uh, and let mm -hmm. people know what you are, um, what you're in here for, what you're coming in for, and uh, mm -hmm. you know how they can get in touch with you and whatnot. So uh, we appreciate your joining us this morning and filling us in on the news of the week from Israel and. Uh, we, uh, at the same time as we wish condolences on Yom Zikaron, we wish uh, Mazel Tov on uh, Yom Hatzmut and happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. We all thank you here from Israel, and we all wish you a great week. <laughs> Thanks, you too. Take care. It is 8. <laughs>
6.13 in the morning here on JM Sunday. We're going to go to music, and then uh, we will be joined by Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the book, More Than a Tear, here on JM Sunday. <laughs> with Narhaisi here on JM Sunday. My thanks to Khan Levi Julian for joining us from Israel.
to talk about uh, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaTzmut, and the latest news from Israel. The uh, the show this morning, JM Sunday, is brought to you by Adorama. It's more than a camera store. They're located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. Their phone number is 800-223-2500, and you can get your cameras, your audiovisual equipment, your electronics, your portable entertainment, your iPads, iPods, and much more. Adorama Imaging and Beyond, since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network, 1-800-223-2500. Want to send me an email? Sure, I love to read emails. And take your requests, matis at nachamsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachamsegel.com. We are here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachamsegel.com, jmandtheam.org. And we are joined this morning by noted author and respected rabbi directly from Israel, Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the new book, More Than a Tear, a Shiva Guide for Mourners and Consolers. Good morning, Rabbi Siegel. Is Rabbi Siegel there? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we will have to reconnect and uh, see if he is there. We will try to do that right now. So we can get him on the air and uh, and see what we can do. Uh, let's see if we can uh, if we can get him on the air. Hello. Good morning, Rabbi Siegel. How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. How are you, Matthew? Fine, thank you. It's good to speak with you. As I just mentioned, you are the author of a new book entitled "More Than a Tear: A Shiva Guide." For mourners and consolers, very appropriate to speak with you this morning. You are in Israel, and uh, tonight begins Yom Hazikaron, the time of uh, remembrance and uh, and commemoration, if you will, uh, for all these soldiers who have fallen in all the wars in the modern state of Israel, numbering over twenty-five thousand. Certainly, a lot of Shiva, unfortunately, went on over the decades, and a lot of Shiva stories. So uh, we thank you for joining us this morning and for writing this book. What what made you write this book at this time? Well, Matthias, as you remember, five years ago when uh, when my father died tragically during the marathon, so uh, we had, from the time that we officially um, found out about his death until his burial was more than three days. Right. And... And during those three days, um, you would think that if you have three days to prepare for Shiva, we never sat Shiva before in our family, and uh, you would think that, you know, you'd have time, you know, a few hours to look through uh, Rabbi Lamb's book, uh, The Jewish Way of Death in Mourning, uh, Art Scrolls, Mourning in Alakha. I mean, there's so many books about mourning, about grieving, uh, that are available, some very good books, and of course, you have the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law as well, which you can also look through. Right. Uh, which, which no, it's, there's a taboo about learning it unless you have to learn it. So you'd think that over three days, we'd have time to, to go over it, but uh, I've never found the time. Uh, besides the, you know, dealing with the, dealing with the tragedy that they were dealing with at the time and um, everything that had to go into the preparation of, 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 of bringing my father to, to, to Israel to be buried and I remember sitting on the plane uh, with two of my brothers at the time, um, and we spent most of the most of the flight just talking about my father, just going over some of the history. I was taking notes from my oldest brother Moshe, who 
passed away uh, two years ago. Just, you know, some of those historical things which I had heard many times, but I just didn't have a chance to, to, to write down. I never had a chance. And I was sitting Shiva in Israel, and they were leaving, so I wanted to make sure that I had the information. Sure. So we never really had a chance to kind of uh, catch our breath and sit down and, and really go through what was going to happen during Shiva. Um, and then when uh, our good friend, Dr. Mark Singer, when he sat Shiva for his father, he felt the same way, that he also didn't have a lot of time. And as much as he had been involved with, you know, going to Shiva houses, as myself also, we just never really, you know, understood a lot of the different things that were happening. And we didn't have what we felt we needed was a quick guide to the laws, to the customs, and to some of the ideas and philosophies behind what's going on during Shiva. So that was the the first impetus for writing this book was um, it's 96 pages, (coughs) and the 20 pages of it is a a, a guide to the customs and to the laws of Shiva. Um, very easy to, to read, and um, the main uh, of Yosef Sirimon, who we know from Gush Katif and from Jab Katif, uh, the rabbi here in Alon Shvot in Israel, so he uh, he wrote uh, a guide in Hebrew, which I translated and I made some changes to, and uh, and that's basically the guide that's presented. Right. Besides that, we also felt that it was, uh, you know, from some of the experiences that we had, which I don't want to recount, that our family experienced and and so many other people have experienced, you know, people saying things that, uh, you know, people are well-meaning, but they they feel they have to say something. Right. We'll we'll get into that in a a second. You have a whole chapter on uh, Sounds of Silence, and uh, that's very important (laughs) also. But um, let me ask you this. Uh, And, yes, your book is... uh, it gives that guidance as to what Shiva is about and and the uh, importance of Shiva, the, almost getting into the feeling of Shiva before getting into the specific halachas. It allows you to do both and, and get into it, which is one of the things I wanted to ask. You know, there are so many grief counselors out there uh, because people don't know how to grieve. And one of the things that, that I've heard, I'm sure you've heard so many times over the years, from people whose... Um, uh, let's say non-Jewish people who don't have the Shiva concept as such, uh, say that it is it is remarkable that there is a forced time, if you will, with certain rigidity in terms of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, that, that forces you to confront the grief that um, you might be feeling or have not been able to get in touch with. And yes, as you mentioned in the book and in the halachas, there are different levels of, uh, of how you're going to uh, act during Shiva, and whatnot, but it still gives you that time frame um, to force yourself into that. Uh, that must be a, a very comforting thing, if you will, during that process, that people have to get in touch with their grief feelings. Right. In fact, uh, you know, when I spoke to Nachum last week about this on the air, so um, we were talking about the fact that the, you know certain people who pass away during Yantiv, during uh, during Pesach, or during Sukkot, and People have to wait to sit shiva until after yantiv. There's also cases where people, you know, pass away immediately before Pesach, let's say the day before Pesach, and then you know, no one has to. After they sit shiva for a couple hours, they don't have to sit shiva anymore. And I've heard many people say that they felt cheated right. because they didn't have the opportunity to to go through this process of grieving, which is so important to speak about the person who died, to hear stories. I mean, right. one of the one of the things that happened. Um, with our Shiva, um, for both my father and my brother, was stories, just stories we heard about, you know, things that they did for people. I was here in Israel, and, you know, people from my father's shul from 50 years ago 
were coming to see me. Right, exactly. This is a, that, was a, that was a time I wasn't part of. So it's, it's, it's such an important thing, and it's, it's really you know, the greatness of, um, of the rabbis and how they set it up and how different things are put into play is shown during Shiva. Right. And, uh, if, if you... It, 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 100% is what, of what you're saying is true. If, uh, if you don't mind, I'll make a little suggestion for the... Uh, when you, when, you, um, when you add to this... I don't know. Maybe a suggestion for a, an addendum, if you will. The, the important thing that you just mentioned, and that is that there are, you know, with, with all the talking about Shiva, there is this time where we are precluded from sitting Shiva. As you mentioned, before a Yom Tov, or if a Yom Tov occurs in the middle, or you know, different rules about that. There are also different times of the year at the, at the burial where we're not supposed to say eulogies during certain times of the year. And as you said, people feel a little cheated because they can't get into it. Perhaps there could also be, this is my own opinion, a uh, an article or an addendum really getting into that concept of how the the reasoning behind not sitting Shiva, which is in a certain sense the joy of Yom Tov, how that is a part and parcel of the process that someone can take to heart and understand why it is that even with the most terrible time of their life when they're about to sit Shiva, they aren't allowed to. So right. that almost they, yeah, they don't have to feel that way. Yeah, one of the hardest things about writing this book was what not to put in the book. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, because any book about, I mean, any book about mourning in general, Jewish, uh, the Jewish way of the mourning, and, and, all these, and all the books that people know about uh, are hundreds of pages. And the reason they're hundreds of pages is exactly because of this thing you just mentioned. There's so many different details that come up. And I specifically did not deal with that because I knew that would be a, a whole like a whole other direction. And specifically because what you're saying, you know, there are some people out there, and this is I deal with this in the book about how each individual grieves differently. And you mentioned grief counseling before. I mentioned in the book that there are certain grief counselors who feel that grief counseling is, is a waste of time. Because every individual grieves differently. And until the person is able to figure out themselves what they need in terms of, you know, their own grieving process, there's not much that a grief counselor can do for them. Right. He or she can't give them like a, you know, like a set way of dealing with it because everyone's different. Right. It's almost like so, saying, uh, it's, it's almost like the counselor will say, okay, go to your house, sit in the room by yourself, sit there for four hours, do nothing else but think about the your, your loved one that was lost and... Uh, and then come to grips with how you feel. Right. And um, it's, it, look, it's, uh, it, it's something where I, I could not do, I could not write everything about, uh, about the Shiva process. That's why I dealt with Shiva only. I didn't right. go beyond Shiva. Um, I felt it was important for people who, you know, were thrust into a situation. You have people who have, uh, you know, who, who have gone to visit many Shiva houses but have never studied the laws, and they needed to have something uh, that they can hold on to, and also it's designed for people who aren't necessarily familiar with laws and customs. Exactly. Uh, warning. The, and um, so that that's what I wanted to concentrate on. But right. you're right. There's there's there are many other aspects that can be dealt with. In different, in the different book ways. is entitled "More Than a Tear or More Than a Tear." As you know, before Shiva, you tear your clothes <laughs> at burial. So more than a tear. The radio title is "More Than a Tear." Oh, okay. <laughs> A, sh- a Shiva Guide uh, for Mourners and Consolers, Rabbi Yigal Siegel uh, from Israel, who has written this book. It's published by the Jewish Literacy Foundation. It's available everywhere. And uh, it is, uh, 
for for someone who uh, has sat shiva before uh and and hopefully you won't have to for a long time again uh i uh, i did sit and, and read through this and I, I i mean this in the in the uh in the best of uh, a way it's an easy read <laughs> meaning if you're not uh, in the midst of uh, about to sit shiva uh you know it's it's pretty easy to read through and get a great understanding uh i don't know and i'm no rabbi but i don't know if this falls into that um that area of, like you said, the custom not to uh, deal with the, these things ahead of time. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, some of the chapters could certainly be um, read because it's not only for people sitting shiva. There's a lot of important information here for people who go visit people who are sitting shiva. And uh, we just right. have a couple of minutes because we have another guest coming on uh, in a few minutes. But I want to just touch on that. We have all gone to shiva houses where people say with Good intention, but they say the craziest things. They just do not know what to say. And what you say and what, what is, is out there is that it's okay not to say anything. As a matter of fact, isn't there a halacha, or it's a minhag, I don't know, again, you're the rabbi, I'm not, that you're not supposed to say anything in a shiva house until the person sitting shiva first says something? Yeah, that's, uh, that's 100% correct. You're not allowed to say anything until you're addressed. Um, by the by, the person who's sitting shiva, by the people who are sitting shiva, and you know, we deal with that in the, in the chapter called the sounds of silence. But the the idea behind that is the uh, the the way to understand what the mourner wants to hear from you is by listening to them. A lot of people, and they they are well-meaning, but a lot of people feel that they just they can't sit there even after they're spoken to by the mourner. They have to like kind of make their own uh, you know sermon or <laughs> they have to come up with some unbelievable. Tremendous thought, and right. more often than not, um, and you know, I mentioned this to Nahum that so many people ask me to write a guide of what not to say, and you know, to write the stories, and and it's in, I, I mentioned in the book, it's impossible to give a guide as to specifically what what you can say to a specific mourner because every mourner is different, of and course. every wants to hear different things. Absolutely. Um, so it's you know, it's, it's it's something which is is an exercise that um, you know people have. From the from the friends of Eo, from the friends of Job, where we learn this this idea that they sat they sat with him for seven days and seven nights and they never said a word to him. Right. They just sat with him, and that you know it, it, you know try and get into the car and 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 sit with somebody um, you know for more than two minutes without saying a word without turning on the radio. Just you know it's it, it, it's like so important to have noise in our lives now. So right. and it, it's 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 unbelievable how how people are able to do that, but. You know, there's a you know there's a time to there's a time to speak and a time to to think about what you're going to say and and this really you know the rabbis came up with this which uh, I think is brilliant that you know you just can't go ahead and just you know say whatever you want to say you have to say what um, what the person wants to hear right 100 percent shiva is uh, is for the mourner it's for the deceased it's for the public to be able to uh, express themselves it it encompasses a lot and uh, for the person sitting shiva as you mentioned and uh, this will be covered in dafyomi in a week or so you mentioned uh, that uh, shmuel taught that it's uh, it's a law to, to be lenient and uh, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing you mentioned that uh, basically it's uh, he's saying that if you feel the need to be stringent with certain things so be it if you uh, if you're not also, so be it. There are so many different aspects, so many different ways of uh, of mourning. And also, lastly, uh, many times, as, as you know, shiva 
might be the um, the first uh, or, or the first in a long time experience with Jewish ritual. Unfortunately, that many people may have they they may have not um, have been participating in Jewish ritual for years or decades, and uh, they will sit shiva though. And of course, in the burial process, there's there's so much that goes on. Uh, this may be their first um, uh, first dealing with this in a very long time, and and people should be aware of that. Right, and that's why uh, you know I've I tried to gear the the, the general book the. the first part of the book towards people who don't have a background in this because uh, it, it's something which, like you said, it, co- it could be the only time that people are really introduced to the Jewish way of, of, of doing something, and, and this is it's so important that people understand exactly what's happening during this process. Exactly, exactly. So, Rabbi Siegel, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, here. I just mention one Montessori website. Yes. Um, it's called GuideToShiva.com, where people can order the... Uh, the book itself, or they can order a Kindle version. Um, and there's also a, an email address, uh, guide to shiva at gmail.com. If anyone has any questions, if, uh, if any shuls want to, uh, to buy this, uh, um, if, if people want to buy it in bulk, um, they can definitely contact us there. And also, just if anyone's interested in going in a little more depth into this whole subject, one of the books that I quote from... Um, is from Rabbi Maurice Lenn, but not the classic Jewish way of death and mourning. It's a book called Consolation. And I really recommend it to people who want to learn more about the, the whole idea of, of grieving and, 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 and what happens during this process and beyond Shiva. It's an excellent book, and I recommend it highly. Thank you so much. And uh, we, uh, we know that you're going to be commemorating Yom Zikaron in a few hours and then going into the joy of Yom Hatzmut on, uh, on the day after. So we... Uh, we wish you in the state of Israel a happy 65th birthday. Not you, 65, but the state of Israel. <laughs> thank you so much for, thank you for joining us this morning, Rabbi Yigal Siegel from Israel here on JM Sunday. We're going to go to some music for a minute, and then we're going to be joined by our next guest, Marcella Rosen, author of the book Tiny Dynamo, here on JM Sunday.
Hello, we're going to cut that a little bit short so we can go to our next guest here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. Thank you for joining us this morning. It is 8.39 in the morning Eastern Time on JM Sunday, jmtheam.org and nachamsegel.com. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the, uh, to the show the author of the book entitled Tiny Dynamo, Marcella Rosen is that author, and good morning to J.M. Sunday. Good morning. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. Welcome. Uh, you were on with Nachum earlier this uh, last week, later in the week last week, and uh, we wanted to uh, bring you on the air here to uh, have some more discussion with you about this amazing book and about the website and the organization, basically, that you, uh, you uh, founded. Uh, it is so fascinating, and of course, in, in two days from now, uh, it is the 65th birthday of uh, Israel, Yom Ha'atzmut coming up, uh, following immediately after Yom HaZikaron, the Day of Remembrance, Memorial Day, which begins tonight. So we felt it was very appropriate to have you join us again on the network and talk about this remarkable little country. <laughs> well, I'd love to. Um, can I ask a few questions? Yes, of course. All right, to your audience. Yes. Did, did, did they know that almost every global high-tech company has an R&D branch in Israel? Was it tiny Israel has nearly as many startups on NASDAQ as all of Europe combined? Or that Warren Buffett's first investment outside the U.S. for $4 billion was an Israeli company called Iskar? And in a slightly different vein, Israel has sent aid to 55 countries in need, and in an Israeli hospital... Once you're a patient, you get the same treatment, whether you're a Jew, a Palestinian, or even a terrorist. Now, most Americans never heard of any of that. That's right. That's why I started Untold News. Absolutely. Because I felt it was vital. And this began, you started this a number of years ago, am I correct? That, the uh, three years ago? 2010, correct. 2010. Uh, there is a website, it's untoldnews.org. And as a matter of fact, I learned something on there today, although it's not an invention specifically. I talked about it before. Is one of the headlines that the archaeologists found a, um, a stone structure in the Sea of Galilee that they're investigating. But I saw that on there. Uh, so it, uh, it helped me to get to something else that I spoke about. But, of course, on the website and in the book, you talk about all of these things, like you just mentioned, the investments in Israel, but what Israel has given to the world um, based on those investments or based on just the people that are in Israel. In your book, um, Tiny Dynamo, uh, which if people just took a quick glance at it, they would not realize it's talking about Israel. And as you had mentioned on the uh, on the show last week, you did that purposely so people would right. not have a visceral reaction you know, one way or the other to say, oh, it's about Israel. I- I'm not going to look at it. 
Yeah, there are a percent, there is a segment that is not interested in Israel. Right. I wanted to <laughs> intrigue them into it. Yeah. Exactly. And the the items that are mentioned, I mean, there are so many things that affect, and this is the important thing also, as you've mentioned, these items, these these inventions, discoveries affect billions of people around the world. Because and us. And, and us here in the United States. Right. Because when right. you talk about anything dealing with immunology advancement, uh, such as what uh, you had mentioned in 1991, Professor Yair Reisner uh, he created a, um, a, a mouse, basically, with functioning human immune systems. So you know, people may not think, like, what's the big deal? But when you're testing so many things, you can't test things on humans. Because, you know, God forbid something goes wrong, you, right. you can't use human guinea pigs, but when you can create something that allows you to mimic as best as possible the human reaction, that speeds up the testing and the science by you know, decades, probably. And actually, there are a few that are even more direct. If you've ever had a problem or know anyone who had a problem with breast cancer, freezing breast tumors really matters. If you know anyone who had macular degeneration, we have a chapter in the book on their the way they have figured out to plant a tiny telescope, which will help restore your vision. I mean, a lot of it's very direct and helps us. Yes, and uh, the, the uh, imaging that you talked about, these are even more recent than some of the past ones. There are things that were invented in Israel decades ago, which are still in use today, or, or the uh, technology is the basis of uh, what we use today in the computer field. Anybody who knows anything about computers and chips knows about the 8088 processor, which goes back to the 70s. And I remember learning about that many years ago. And that was something that was based on uh, uh, discoveries in Israel or research in Israel. As just like, this is also an older one, but desalinating the water, making the ocean drinkable, which yes. is the leading source of fresh water in the world today. Yes. But I wanted to mention one other thing. It, we did find 21 uh, inventions to talk about in the book, and we have a timeline of 68 since the founding of the state. Right. But we, we have a page on Facebook that has over 150,000 fans, and we post five days a week, and 95% of the posts are on new Israeli inventions. Wow. Once in a while, we post that an Israeli Jew and an Arab started an ice cream parlor, right. or that, you know, it's Pesach, or Passover. But um, most of it's on inventions. They just keep coming. And it's an extraordinary culture that managed to do that at the same time, as you know, as they tamed the desert and absorbed the immigration, fought the wars, blah, blah. But aren't we lucky that they right. managed to do this, too? Right, absolutely. And that's what's amazing and that people don't realize, because, of course, what you hear about is the conflict. You hear about the the fighting. You hear about uh, the two different factions that you know the the ones that are anti-Semitic or anti-Israel, and then the ones that are pro. That's what's in the news, not mostly negative. This correct. And can you imagine? And and it's guaranteed that if these um, inventions come out that can help people, they're going to be put out there. Israel's not going to hold back. You know, and say, oh, we, we just invented a uh, or discovered, you know, something to help cure a disease, and we're not going to share it with the world. It'll be shared, you know, like like the opposite, any right? exactly like any open country. Now, it, it's interesting. You don't mention it in the book, or, but you know, certainly it's out there. A lot of people talk about the money that America gives to Israel mm-hmm. in terms of foreign aid, right. and a, a lot of it. I don't know the percentages, but much of it goes to military but to other projects also. 
And a lot of it has to be spent, by the way, in the United States. So <clears throat> there is definitely benefit from the money that is given to Israel. Now, oh, definitely. Uh, We're a wonderful ally with security, with all sorts of things we have cre- they have created. Exactly. That has come in handy. And I don't know uh, of the inventions or discoveries or research that you mentioned on a constant basis, as you said, you know, how much of that may have come from support through that, but I'm sure that there is from there, and we get that benefit also. We get well, that back. for benefit. example, there's one about uh, saving the bees. Oh, that yes. was a discovery, and it's so important because I think 20% or close to it of the world's food depends on bees That's pollinating right. the products. And that was bought by Monsanto right. for a fortune. Right. And go tell people, uh, most people ask them about the problem with bees, and, and they're going to say, well, they're in my backyard, I need to get rid of them. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And when you, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, and when you, when you tell them that, you know, bees are responsible for the pollination, uh, as you said, for major sources of food, and there are there are colonies that are being destroyed, and, and scientists are trying to figure out why, and this can have a major effect. And then you say, well, yeah, there's this little country, Israel, and uh, they're dealing with this, and and they're helping. Well, that's the uh, problem. Nobody attaches that word, Israel, to right. any of them. One of my favorites is the airport security system. Oh yes. Uh, well, we can't talk. We can't really talk about that. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm oh. saying because, as you said in the book, and as you said on the air last week, there are certain aspects of the security system that haven't been divulged yet. Oh, of course. But and can't be. basically, yeah. it's amazing, as you write, uh, if you could explain what you what you wrote about how this sure. system works. Well, um, as you go through your normal check-in at the airport, they flash some pictures and words on screens in front of you. And apparently, if you are planning an evil deed, your face won't show a reaction, but your bodily systems will. Your heartbeat will go up, your galvanic skin response will change, and they can monitor your body systems so they can pick out the people who react to those stimuli and, and question them and stop the event Amazing. So I, I guess, for instance, if uh, if they flash a picture of a, of a, of a soldier maybe or of a... Uh, or you know, somebody in official uniform who's not there, right there in front of them, they that may trigger that uh, unconscious response. Or some words. Or, yeah. or words, right? Right. Whereas they may already be trained to not react when they actually see a uh, a soldier in front of them or a police officer in front of them. They won't be able to react, uh, be trained as, uh, well for that unconscious reaction. That's right. That's the point. It's it's amazing. Using psychology. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Because right now, what what is done, of course, as everyone knows, is you go to the airport, you're screened in a certain way right. physically, you know, right. that you're not carrying anything. But if you, if it's in your mind and you're and and you know it's, you're going to be planning something else, you want to kind of get that. Uh, so I have a question: Have you, because of the fact that uh, that most people don't associate these things with uh, with Israel, ha- have you developed or thought of developing a, a school curriculum based on your book and based on your website? No, what, what we've done so far is we've got 13 two-minute or shorter videos on um, Israeli humanitarian acts. One is a baby with a hole in its heart, Palestinian baby, That's that a saved famous story. later in mm-hmm. an Israeli hospital, a uh, man who got a liver transplant, doctor about treating the terrorists. Right. Then we have a whole bunch, the Haiti crisis team, and recently, the most recent, was they, there's a group of Israelis who came to New York to Breezy Point after Hurricane Sandy. And we have a video on that on our site as well. Uh, the rest are all about individual inventions and their impact. 
Right. Uh, that's one. That's only one tool, though. The second one is Facebook, and the third one is this new book. Mm-hmm. And the book is available on Amazon. We have a, a sort of a quality paperback, and then it's available in ebook form. Right. And um, we are working very hard, getting PR help and talking both in terms of specific events. We had a couple last week, um, and you know, both being interviewed occasionally giving a speech, trying to spread the word and trying to get people to help us spread the word by, by mentioning the inventions that intrigue them and saying that they're Israeli. Sure. By telling people about the book, the subhead, which will help a little, is how one of the world's smallest countries is producing some of our most important inventions. And on the back of it, we have quotes from Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, not about the book, but about Israel and how extraordinarily inventive it is. Right, exactly. I, I think that, um, and perhaps we can talk about this off the air, but the idea of a school curriculum uh, to go into uh, uh, different schools with the with the media, with the uh, you know uh, different sheets or on uh, on the different mm-hmm. items might be an idea because there are sure. so many uh, students who are in uh, in day in schools, school. religious schools, high schools that don't know about this, and and it would be something they could put in their hand. So when they're going out to college and they're faced with, uh, uh, they're out of their environment and they're faced with people who are who are not uh, pro-Israel, uh, they can say, hey, look, look at this, look what's affecting you, That's look right. what, you know, what you hear. By the way, the idea of the um, the luggage finder, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hardly life and death, but isn't it wonderful? It's, absolutely. I mean, these are things that improve quality of life, also. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that, that's amazing. That's one of the junk, annoying parts of life. <laughs> right, it nice right. to eliminate it. And, and I, I, American Express has that. It's been using it all over the country, apparently. Well, interesting, because I, I haven't heard about that. We're American Even Express members. I have to... Uh, I have to call them up and find out what's what's going on with that. Uh, it was it, it was big in the news years ago. The pill cam, uh, people yes. could swallow okay. a pill. Well, that's amazing size. because it's yeah. the size of a vitamin pill. Right. And if you hold it between your two fingers, you see how little it is, and it's really a miniature television studio. It's right. hard to believe, but it is, and it goes. You swallow it. It goes through your intestines. Mm-hmm. It beams to your doctor's computer what your your whole system looks like. Right. Two over two million of those have been used. Right. And uh, these type of things, uh, people should realize that they're not all born out of the necessity of fighting terrorism or, unfortunately, reacting to terrorism. Uh, it's not that Israel is sitting and just coming up with these things because they're always in a constant state of battle. These are scientists and engineers, doctors, who are trying to think of ways to better the world uh, in, uh, in, in the medical field or whatever, uh, nothing to do per se with, um, with military, for instance. Well, they have some, but we didn't focus on those right. either. Uh, right. I read Startup Nation. I was thrilled that it came out. It's sort of a sweeping history of Israeli innovation and the reasons. And some of the reasons they give are that, of course, desperation, you know, living in the desert, yeah. um, needing to fight the wars and find solutions to that. Um, but it's also, um, they said, the Israeli army experience, which is unique. And I'll add one other, that you've got people from 80 different countries and cultures who have been taught to question, mm-hmm. and that has to produce innovation. Right, absolutely. And they're quite incredible about it. 100%. And they needed to, but it helps all of us. Marcella Rosen, author of the book Tiny Dynamo, amazing book. Uh, it's uh, it's available everywhere. Go on Amazon. Uh, the uh, there's a Facebook page. 
untoldnews.org is something you should check every day because you'll always find new items, new pieces of information, new exciting uh, item, uh, things that are discovered or invented in Israel. And uh, we thank you very much for joining us this morning here on JM Sunday. And we look forward to speaking with you again uh, when you uh, have another uh, a follow-up with another 21 well, items. <laughs> we've talked about it. I'd like to add one thing. Of course, of course. Which is that if anyone is interested for school or for bar mitzvah presents or for the, the top members in bulk sales, they should contact us directly at cool. untoldnews.org because we'll... Improve the price. Great idea. Can you imagine that as a bar bat mitzvah presence for every bar bat mitzvah student out there to yeah. get this book? I think that would be absolutely amazing. And would. Uh, well, that would be real bulk. Sorry, <laughs> real bulk, and that would be uh, certainly uh, something that we would encourage because it is important to get the word out about it, the positive words, especially about Israel. Thank you again, Marcella Rosner, for joining us here on JM Sunday. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It is 8.55 in the morning on the, on the stream, jmandtheam.org, nafamsegal.com. Matis Weingas with you on JM Sunday. Here is 6.13 with Shiro Lamelech.
613 from uh, their third volume, Yesh Kadash, here on JM Sunday. Thank you to my guests, Marcella Rosen, author of the book Tiny Dynamo, and Rabbi Yigal Siegel, author of the book on uh, Shiva called More Than a Tear, or More Than a Tear, a Shiva Guide for Mourners and Consolers. It is uh, time to wrap up the show, and uh, we wish you a good week. Tonight begins uh, Yom HaZikaron in Israel. It's a few hours away, and followed by Yom HaAtzma'ut, celebration of Israel's 65th birthday, coming up tomorrow night. And there are celebrations all around this area. You can uh, check the web and find out information on what's going on, check uh, community calendar, nachamsegel.com, and uh, see what's happening there. Nachum will be back tomorrow morning on JM in the AM at 6 AM, followed by uh, the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten at 9 AM on the stream. Don't forget to go to his website, to the Facebook page, the Israel Show, like that. While you're there, like us on the JM Sunday Facebook page. Right after this uh, is the stream. The stream continues non-core presentation of uh, the Book of Life with Charlie Rari. Till next week, thanks for joining us. Have a great day.